let him make you whole let him heal your heart let his love rain down let his love heal your wounded soul let him wash and make you whole Father, we thank you for the rain of your presence. The Lord, in the midst of the desert, in the midst of the desert, there is, there is an oasis. In the midst of the dry places, there is an oasis. In the midst of the darkness around us, Father, you are the oasis. You are the ark. You are our, our, our life support. You are our joy. You are our peace. You are our constant strength in every situation. We are grateful for your presence. We are grateful for the rain of heaven upon our lives, Father. Lord, we worship you and adore you. We are madly in love with you. We are unashamed in love with you. Father, we cry out to you that our world, our communities, our cities, Father, would somehow, the, the eyes of their understanding, the scales would be taken away from their eyes, that they would come into the knowledge of you and your wondrous saving grace. Father, we thank you for your presence upon our lives. We thank you, Father God, for that rain from heaven. In the name of Jesus, Lord, we just commit this message into your hands. Brokenness that leads to salvation. We thank you, Lord, that brokenness, broken people see God. The poor see God. The humble and the seekers seek and find God. And Father, we cry out to you today that we would be that people in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen, amen. You can have a seat for just a minute. What an absolute honor it is again to be here with you. Pastor Don and I are mud, are mudding partners. We are, Pastor Don helped me to, to texture and mud my garage. We did it together. It's an amazing feat. We did it. Come on, somebody, help me. And so, so it's such an honor always to be here with you. We, we are family. And uh, turn with me, if you would, to Second Chronicles chapter 16 and verse 9. Uh, the message that I believe God wants to deposit within our spirits is called brokenness that leads to salvation. Brokenness leads us somewhere. There is a destination, and it is absolutely incredible. The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show Himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to Him. He wants to say loyal. The Webster's define loyal as having or, or showing complete and constant support to someone or something. True loyalty creates space. True loyalty makes room. When we are loyal to someone, we make space for them. Revelation 3.20 says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. Come on, people. What a phenomenal blessing. Few nations 
nations. Few nations have made space for God like the United States of America. I say few nations have made space for God like the United States of America. From its inception, its founders made space like few before. 1,500 scriptures built into its foundation, releasing light in the midst of the darkness around us. The catalyst for this transformation was the reformation of the 1600s with Martin Luther, then the the awakenings of the 1700s with Jonathan Everidge and George Whitfield. Through these men, the Word of God was preached with power and Holy Spirit conviction. This led to a great outpouring of heartfelt repentance, brokenness and contriteness among the 13 colonies, among the 13 colonies, which led to 1776, that in 1776, those 13 colonies under the tyranny of King George of England had by the providence of God been set free like the children of Israel from the slavery of Pharaoh. Come on. A new nation was born. And from the streets of Philadelphia, the Liberty Bell rang from Philadelphia to the nations of the world. The sound of freedom was heard. The city on a hill began to draw millions to its shores from Germany, France, England, Scotland, Ireland, Italy, Spain, China, Africa, near and far, land and sea. They came with a hope to secure their liberty. Within a short time, America became one of the most powerful, prosperous nations on earth. America was exceptional because God was at the forefront of its foundation. Come on, somebody. Abraham Lincoln said, America will never be destroyed from the outside. If we falter and lose our freedoms, it will be because we destroyed ourselves. Joseph Stalin, Joseph Stalin said, America is like a healthy body and its resistance is threefold. It's patriotism, it's morality, and it's spiritual life. If we can undermine these three areas, America will collapse from within. First Peter 5.8 says this, it says, be sober, be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, is like a roaring lion seeking who he may devour. In 2017, is America still exceptional? In 2017, is America destroying herself? In 2017, is America collapsing from within? Is America losing her morality, patriotism, and spiritual life? In the following statistics, we see fruit of the battle we're facing in America and throughout the nations of this earth. America has the highest STD infection rate in the industrialized world. America has approximately 110 million people uh, that, that, that have a sexually transmitted disease. America has the highest teen pregnancy rate on the planet. America, it's, it is estimated that one in four girls and one in six boys will be sexually abused before they become adults. America has the highest abortion rate on the planet. More than 56 million beautiful babies have been aborted every single since 1973. America has the sixth highest divorce rate on the planet. Approximately one out of every three children in the United States lives without a home or a father. It is estimated that 89% of all pornography in the world is produced in the United States of America. 
America has the highest incarceration rate and the, and the largest total prison population in the world. America is over 19 trillion in debt and is the most indebted nation in world history. She was a nation of producers and has now become a nation of consumers. And the question the Spirit of God brings to all of us today is this, in this moment together is, in 2017, is America still exceptional? In 2017, is America destroying herself? Is she collapsing from within? And is, is she losing her morality, patriotism, and spiritual life? The foundation of her exceptionalism will live forever. The 1,500 scriptures that she was founded upon will live forever. But as Abraham Lincoln warns, she is destroying herself. The consequences of sin, apathy, denial, pride, and forgetting her foundation are all working together to destroy her beauty from within. The false doctrines of socialism introduced to America's children by John Dewey and those who promoted him are twisting the minds and the hearts of God's beautiful people, creating a crisis in identity, leaving a path of death and destruction in its wake. Jesus said in Matthew 7, 15, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves, the coat of arms, the coat of arms for Fabian socialism, the socialism that America has embraced, that New Zealand has embraced, that Australia has embraced, that the Western world has embraced, that the coat of arms or the branding just so happens to be a wolf in sheep's clothing and her teeth have a grave grip on the soul of this nation and many other nations of this world. The statistics that we hear did not happen overnight. We we did not wake up one morning and suddenly we're living in a lost and broken society. This has been an incremental, premeditated, carefully thought out plot to rob, kill and destroy. And the question this morning is this, what are we going to do about it? What are we going to do about it? Jesus says in Luke 19.10 that he came to seek and to save the lost. In verse 13, he says, occupied till I come. It says, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. He didn't sit around watching the lost. He didn't just talk about the lost. He didn't just think about the lost. He came to the lost. He was proactive and went to seek and to save the lost. How did he save the lost? Well, he left his place of comfort, his place of perfection, to be where the lost are. John 1.14 says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. It says, And John bore witness of him and cried out, saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. And of his fullness we have all received grace for grace. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth has come through Jesus Christ. Come on, somebody. Why did Jesus come to the lost? Why did Jesus leave his place of comfort and come to the lost? He came so that the lost could see in Jesus who we really are. So that the lost could see in Jesus who we really are. See, Jesus, you know, that, that before we receive Christ, B, 
BC, before we received Christ, that Jesus that we hear about, that story that we hear about, that painting on the wall, that is who we were made to be. That is a picture and a painting so humanity, all humanity, could see who we were made to be before Christ. But I'm here to tell you, to remind us this morning in this gathering that something happens at the moment that you and I receive Christ. A transformation happens in our lives. The Bible says we are born again. And now once we receive Christ, that painting and that picture is no longer who we were made to be. That painting and that picture is who we are really are. Come on. Galatians, you say, really? Yes. Well, Galatians 2 verse 20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who lives, but it is Christ who lives within me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Come on. When we are baptized, how many here have been baptized in water? The, the, the signification of that baptism, we've got to be reminded again that when we go into that watery grave, it is significant of the old man, the carnal man, the sinful man is being put to death. That old person with his agenda, that old person with our dreams, the old person without way of doing things, that old person is put to death with Christ. And then when we come out of that grave, we are, we, we are risen with Christ. We are dead with Christ. We rise with Christ. And now we are seated in heavenly places with Christ. Do you know who you really are? You say to me, but what's my problem? When I, when I look in the mirror, when I look in the mirror, uh, sometimes I don't quite see Jesus. What's my problem? Romans 12, 2 says, Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Our biggest battle that we face as God's body in the earth is in the mind. What are we feeding on? What are we feeding on? The Word of God, the Word of God is full of treasures. The Word of God is full of treasures and keys that unlock the treasure that is already living inside of our lives. This book is full of keys that unlock the treasure that is already living in us. But unless we, unless we feed on it, our life can be covered like an onion covers. It's covered in layers with so much other stuff, what we're feeding on, instead of the beauty and the wonder inside of you and I as gold and silver and gems and diamonds and gifts and talents and abilities. Inside of us is glory, is heaven indwelling in us. But so often we fill our lives with so much other stuff. It could be CNN, Fox News. It can be The Idol, The Voice. It can be NFL, NBA, NBC. It can be this movie or that movie. There's so much stuff in our lives that want to cover the beauty of what God has already put within us. Through Adam's sin, our original identity was lost. But in Jesus, our identity is restored. 
John 1.12 says, But as many as received him to them, he gave the right to become the children of God, to those who believe in his name. Acts 17.28, For it's in him that we live and breathe and have our being. How did Jesus save us? Number one, he revealed himself to us so we could see, you and I could see in Jesus who we were made to be. That Jesus is God's original plan for our lives. Number two, then he had to die for us. Why did Jesus have to die? Well, Hebrews 12, 24 says this. It says that the, the blood of Jesus speaks. Say the blood of Jesus it speaks. Why did Jesus have to die? Well, the answer is in the blood. Say the answer is in the blood. The blood began speaking over 2,000 years ago. It's still speaking today. In the blood is the answer to every problem we face in life. In the blood is redemption from the curse of sin and death in our lives. In the blood, there is freedom from all of Adam's sin. What was passed down to us from generation has been destroyed by the blood of Jesus. In the blood, what, what's it speaking? Well, in the blood, the wall of separation between God and His man has been removed, family. Ephesians 2.13 says, But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once afar off have been brought near by the blood of Jesus. For he himself is our peace. Who is our peace? He is our peace. Who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation. Listen, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, that is the law of the commandments contained in ordinances, so as to create in himself, in himself, one new man, one new man from the two. From the two. Our lives are hidden. In the blood, we receive our inheritance. Shortly after the blood of Jesus began to flow in a small room on the day of Pentecost, the fire of God, the breath of God began to fall on the earth. The blood preceded the fire. In the blood, we receive our inheritance. What is our inheritance? The most incredible, phenomenal gift the world has ever had. It is more precious than silver. It is more costly than gold. It is the breath of life, the power of the Holy Spirit living inside of us. Woo! In the blood, that's our inheritance. You say, I want money. I want that house. I want that stuff. It is all nothing compared to the Holy Ghost and the Holy Spirit in our lives. In the blood, the power in the seed was released into the earth. Everyone say the seed. John 1.14 says, Jesus was the Word of God made flesh. The Bible also says that the Word of God is a seed. Everyone say seed. So Jesus, the Word of God made flesh, was a seed. What do seeds do? They grow. If I take this carrot seed and plant it out the back here, I'm going to get. If I take the same carrot seed, go to the Shire in New Zealand, where I grew up in the Shire, plant it in the ground, I will get carrots. Why? Because the way that God made a seed is that within a seed is the ability not just to produce, but to reproduce after its own kind. Amen. Jesus, Jesus, the Word of God made flesh was a seed, and within Him was the ability to reproduce reproduce after his kind in him was the dna of god and heaven restored to the earth but why did he have to die why did he have to die john 12 24 says most assuredly i say to you unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies 
it remains alone, but if it dies, it produces much grain. Jesus, the Word of God made flesh, had to die to release what was in Him into the earth. A new kingdom, a new culture, a new people. In His death came life. In His brokenness came salvation to the world. And then He says this. He says, occupy till I come. Say occupy. Jesus didn't just watch the lost. He didn't just talk about the lost. He didn't have just conferences about the lost. He actually went to the lost. He says, occupy till I come. Luke 19, 10 says, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that, that which was lost. And as he heard these things, he added and spoke a parable because he was nigh to Jerusalem and because they thought that the kingdom of God should immediately appear. He said, therefore, a certain nobleman, listen, a certain nobleman went to a faraway country to receive for himself a kingdom and then to return. And he called his 10 servants and delivered them 10 pounds. And he said, occupy till I come. Jesus is that nobleman. He is that nobleman that went to a faraway country, but he left his riches, his abilities, his authority in this earth for his people to do his business. And he said, occupy till I come. What are we doing, family? What are we doing? What are you and I doing with the riches that God has given us? What are we doing with the restored identity, with the restored dominion, with the restored authority He has placed in our hands? 1 Peter 2.9 says, We are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, His own special people proclaiming the praises of Him who called us out of darkness into His marvelous light. Romans 8.15 says, For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. Romans 8.29 says, For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he, Jesus, might be the firstborn among many. Today I'm looking at the many. Jesus was the firstborn of many. And he says this, he says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Family, are we seeking first the kingdom, or are we seeking other kingdoms? Matthew 6 to 30 says, So now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will He not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all of these things. But, 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 but seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. What things? Everything we need for life and godliness will be added to us. He is our provider. He is our source. So what is the kingdom? If we're seeking first the kingdom, what is the kingdom? Well, Romans 14, 16 says, For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but it is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Everyone say, the kingdom of God is righteousness. It is peace. It is joy. In the Holy Spirit, the kingdom of God is in the Holy Ghost. Righteousness, peace, and joy are its fruits. Where is the kingdom? Luke 17 says, and Luke 17, 
20 says, And when he had demanded of the Pharisees when the kingdom of God should come, he answered them and said, The kingdom of God cometh not with observation, neither shall they say, Lo here or lo there, for behold, the kingdom of God is within you. Woo! Man. So here I am. I'm 18 years of age. I'm now in India. God touches me at age 16, an incredible encounter with heaven. I give away everything. I, all, all my dreams are put away, and all I want to do is serve God. All I want to do is, is, is that the earth, the planet, would come to know that Jesus is real. Thank God for a praying mama. Hallelujah. So now I'm 18 years of age. I'm in India. I've heard so much about India. I've heard about the incredible move of God, the miracles, all that stuff. I get to India, and I'm miserable. It smells, it's like going back 100 years in time in certain parts. I'm, I'm fr from a country of uh, uh, 5 million people and 60 million sheep. And here I am with a billion human beings. You can't get away from them. I love India. If, if, you're, if you're an Indian here today, I love India. But it was just a little bit strange for me. At the moment, we walk around and in, in India, certain parts of the culture, if they, if they want to go to the bathroom, they'll just go to the bathroom right next to you. So you'll be walking down the street and a lady will be doing her business here and a guy will be doing his business. It was really, really confusing. Uncomfortable. I wanted to, I, want, I, I was... I, I was hungry, I was starving, I wanted to get some food. I see in the distance a stall, and I see there's this thing hanging up in the, in the stall. And to me, it looked as if there were bees on it. So, but as, as I got closer, I discovered that was a leg of lamb covered in flies. And they were cutting off the meat and handing it. People were buying the meat. And so I was miserable. And so I'm saying, Holy Spirit, how, how in the word am I supposed to be a light here when I'm absolutely miserable? He says, he says, he says, are you living out of the kingdom? I said, what do you mean the kingdom? He said, study the kingdom. And I began to study the kingdom and I began to understand that the kingdom of God is within us. You and I carry it everywhere we go. No matter where God sends us, no matter where he asks us to go, the kingdom is moving with us. The kingdom has a king. His name is Jesus. The kingdom has a banner. Banking system is called seed time and harvest. The kingdom has an army that protects us, the hordes of heaven all around us. The king and the kingdom lives within us. And no matter if you're in a war zone in Ukraine, or if you're in India, or if you're in Pakistan, no matter where on this planet in America, no matter where you and I are, we can thrive. We can thrive in the midst of dire circumstances. We can overcome all things because there is a king and a kingdom that lives within within us. What are we doing with this treasure God's given us? 2 Corinthians 4, 7 says, but we have this treasure. Everyone say treasure. In earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. Ronald Reagan said the struggle now going on for the world will never be decided by bombs or rockets, by armies or military might. The real crisis we face today is a spiritual one. At root, it is a test of moral will and faith. God wants to show Himself strong. He sees our struggle. He wants to work for us, but He is a gentleman. He will never force Himself upon us. The church of the living God is not a brand. It's not a business. 
It's not a franchise. It's not an organization or a building made with man's hands. The church of the living God is a body of people made in His image and fashioned in His likeness and filled with His breath of life. Are we living, are we living a life that is loyal to Him? Loyal to Him. With all that He's given us, with all that we are, with all that He says that we have, are we as a people living a life that is loyal to Him and His cause? Revelations 3.14 says, And to the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write these things, says the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of creation of God. He says, I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I could wish that you were cold or hot, so then because you're lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say I am rich and have become wealthy and have need of nothing and do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire that you may be rich in white garments that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed, and anoint your eyes with eyesalve that you may see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore be zealous and repent. For behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anybody hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne, as I also overcame and sat down with my Father on his throne. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit of God says to the churches today. Are we lukewarm? Family, are we lukewarm? Are we those who say, I'm rich? I have no need of anything. Yet we don't know we're wretched, blind, naked. Who's God talking to here? The strippers at the strip club? He's talking, no. Actually, the Bible says he's talking to the church. He's talking to the church. Our world is a mess today because we've stopped being loyal to God. Our cities, our countries have stopped being loyal to the creator of the universe. And because of this, we've lost our sight. We've lost our identity. And this opens the door for the enemy to come in, to lie, to rob, to kill, and to steal. But the beauty of God is this. There is a solution. And the solution is in brokenness. The solution is in a repentant heart, a broken heart. The solution is, is, is in individually. I, you and I, I, I will not stand with you before heaven. Every one of us will give an account of what we did on this earth for the, for the king, of how we lived our lives. God wants an, an account of what we've done with our lives. And not about you, but I want to see him, and I want him to say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant, enter into your rest. But how about you? What, what, what are we investing our time into? Are we distracted by the cares and the needs of the world? Are we allowing the other kingdoms to consume us? Or are we seeking first God's kingdom, understanding that everything we need will be added to us today? It's a challenge that all of us face. It's a challenge that all of us need to take inventory of our lives. Say, Father, where, where am I at? Where is my heart? What am I doing with my money? You know, 
you know where a man's heart is, where his money is. Because the money means a lot to all of us. It's a, it's a, it, it, it means so much to us. Where is our money? Where is our time? Where is our energy? You say, it's none of your business. It's not. No, it's not. But it's God's. It's God's. And the point, heaven chooses to speak through human beings like a little hobbit from New Zealand. And, 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 and ask us these questions. What are we doing with our time? What are we doing with our talents? What are we doing with the life that God's given us? Are we, are we allowing this, this treasure and earthen vessels to be released like a river flowing through us to touch our cities, touch our communities, touch our nations? Or, or are we so consumed with self and distracted by our own ideas? Can I have the keys? The keys. Whoever's on the keys. Or are, being, or are we being distracted? Let's all stand. Second Chronicles seven fourteen says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Interesting, he says, if my people. Isn't that interesting? If my people would turn from their wicked ways, then I will forgive their sin. I'll heal their land. You and I were made to be producers, not just consumers. God wants to move in His presence through every single one of us. And that does not mean that every single one of us has to be behind a pulpit. Because the fact is, is that 98% of all Christianity is not behind a pulpit. <laughs> this is not the beginning and the end of all things up here. This is not that at all. It's, it, is, it, is, it is a grace. And whoever God gives the grace, it is a grace from heaven. But there is, there is also a grace to be out in the marketplace, to be out in this earth. Out, the job of this is to help to equip others to know their God and do great exploits. Oh, family, there is great exploits in this room. There is great exploits. There's great abilities. There's great treasures in this room. But are we being distracted? Are we lukewarm? Have we allowed our hearts to maybe be distracted with other stuff? We all face this battle. But I am calling you. I am drawing you. I am leading you to green pastures and still waters. Though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I am here. I am with you, I am with you, my love. Will you open up your heart to me? Will you open up the secret places? Will you open up your heart to me, my bride? Will you let my spirit come? Let me come without measure. Let me flow through you. I have made you, I have
created you to be bold and strong and do exploits. I created you. I made you to be filled. I made you to be free, my love. I created you as a house and a place where I might dwell in. Will you open up your heart to me? Will you let my spirit come inside? I'm calling you my bride. Occupy, occupy till I come again. Will you occupy, will you occupy till I return? These are my words, this is my desire, that you will be filled, that you will be filled. Over me, the rain is falling, pouring
want us just to keep an attitude of prayer for a moment. And uh, as Michael was ministering, went back up on the verse in Second Chronicles chapter 16 and verse 7. The prophet came to Asa. He says, because you relied on the king of Aram of Syria and did not rely upon the Lord your God. And that's what happened. Asa had trouble come out against him and an army come out against him and he made, he looked for help in some place other than God and that's why verse 9 says, the eyes of the Lord are running to and fro to help us. But we have to look to God. And that's what's happening in our nation. That's what happens in our life. Trouble comes out and we turn to the wrong ally when God is our ally. He's our ally. So I want you to just take a moment. I don't know where you are. I don't know where your heart is in trust. I don't know how you relate when brokenness comes to your life. The world just offers us counterfeit. But for these next few moments, I'm just asking you and I just felt the Holy Spirit in this area that, God, what am I putting my trust in? Am I relying upon you? Your eyes are looking and searching to help me of those who trust you. The eyes of the Lord are searching to and fro that he might show himself strong on behalf of those who are seeking him. God's ready to be strong in our life. Come on, let's break our allegiance with everything that's a counterfeit of this world. And let's say yes to God. Let's take just a few more moments. I just want you to press in just for a moment. Just you and your heart before God. And let him touch you this morning. is that sometimes like every one of us here today has an assignment from God. Every single person in this room has something that God commissions you to do. All of us have. And every single assignment is absolutely pivotal and important to the overall picture that God is bringing into the earth for this moment in history. When one of us does not do what we're asked to do, oftentimes it can cause weakness in certain areas. But the good news is this, in brokenness, when we're broken before the Lord, He begins to take, because so oftentimes we don't think we can do stuff because we, we, are, we depend on ourselves. We depend on the King. We depend on this. We've been, instead of depending upon the Lord for what He's called us to do, you see. 
And so the point is, is this, is that every one of us was made to be producers, not just consumers. In the church, 80% of Christians are just consumers, not producers. That's what 20% of the people do everything. This is st- statistic. Yeah, This is not God's will for us. It's not God's will. It's not healthy for society. We have a society that is broken because of this. So we're gonna, we're gonna, all of us in this room, if we would just take inventory and say, Father, remind me of my assignment. Remind me of what I need to be doing. And I thank you that by the words that you've spoken to me today, I am fully equipped and able to do what you've called me to do. I have people around me in this, in this house. That's why we come together. We help each other. Pastors, God puts pastors and shepherds over us to equip us, to help cheer us on with what we're called to do. That's, that's the whole purpose of this. But today, I believe there are assignments being restored. There are purposes and plans of heaven being reminded of us. There, there is the purpose and the will of God being activated or reactivated in so many of us here today. So many of us here today. Repeat after me. Say, Heavenly Father, I thank you that you sent your word. You sent your word to heal me and to deliver me. I thank you today that the Holy Ghost lives within me. The kingdom lives within me. The kingdom and the king and all of heaven abides within me I lack nothing I have no need I am provided for I am protected help me to fulfill my assignment in Jesus name I am a producer not just a consumer today I re-give you my life that I would be the vessel you've called me to be in Jesus name Fill me up and overflow through me in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. One more time. Sing over me. Over me. The rain is falling, pouring over me. The fragrance and the essence of my King Over me The rain is falling, pouring over me I can see it now The Father, as we leave today, we thank you for the word that's been deposited within our hearts. We thank you for the dreams that have been reignited, heaven's dreams. We thank you for the assignment from heaven that you've called us to. We thank you for the ongoing unveiling of the purpose and the plan of heaven. We thank you for faith. We thank you for hope. We thank you for love. We thank you that all our needs are met and everything we need. That Father, you open doors. You're the one who lifts up a man. We don't have to strive to open doors. We just have to be prepared in our hearts for that which you've called us to and walk through the doors that you open. In the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord.
We love you. We honor you. Worship you and adore you. In Jesus' name.